So obviously, uh, the film uh, Star Wars. Sorry, <laughs> so Star Wars. I'm sorry. <laughs> Star Wars. <laughs> it's because you started to laugh, and I was like, okay. I, I, but then I forgot that you could delete your own audio. I could yeah, have just continued. <laughs> Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We are tonight's entertainment. Good. Yes, I know who I am. Did IQs just? I could have been. I have plans. I like this All shit. It is it is it will. You know it's Dance off, bro. It is your Me and destiny. Welcome to the Atlantic Screen Connection Podcast. Let the games begin. Hello and welcome to the Atlantic Screen Connection podcast with Jason and Lee. I'm Jason. I'm Lee. And this week, we decided to tackle Star Wars Episode 1, The Phantom Menace. Yes, back to every everyone's favorite series that we never stopped talking about. Yeah, exactly. Especially by... I mean, yeah, we did Force Awakens. We did The Last Jedi. We, we've been putting off doing the original trilogy anyway because, yeah. I mean... Well, we kind of... We talk about them every time we talk about Star yeah. Wars to the point where there'll be nothing left to say when we look at them on their own you know <laughs> i don't know i think that you know people have talked about them ad nauseum i mean people have written essays stuff you know so they know the stories i think that if mm-hmm. ever we were to tackle the original trilogy we'd have to really sit down and think about how we could approach it from a very different angle and right now i'm just not in that mindset no me neither i couldn't i couldn't think of it at the moment that would be interesting enough to justify it where it's it's very easy to make something like the phantom menace which already is an uphill battle to get people to consider in certain lights makes it more it's it's simpler to try to find an angle of approach (laughs) i think so too yeah and i I mean when when you pitched this to me i i thought it was a great idea when you said hey you know we we should we should do the phantom (laughs) jason the star wars fan found me saying we should talk about star wars as an easy (laughs) easy sale that's why i put him in the fucking list it's like like, oh god i I have i have to make 10 suggestions for this for this season and i need to put one that's just going to be like jason's going to say yes (laughs) i'm going to answer all this but before what i want to do is i just want to give the little tidbit of information with regards to the film play the trailer and then after that i want to get into what you just said it's going to be an easy pitch to jason because i disagree with that yeah well, fair enough. so the film came out in 1999 and for the i'd say 15 years uh, between the phantom menace and the release of the force awakens star wars i mean the, the prequels have been just bashed by everyone from mm-hmm. like every every aspect of fandom there has been a resurgence uh, of people called the prequelists that have come out and defended them, especially people that are now, I think, just coming into their 30s uh, who grew up with this as their Star Wars and all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas my Star Wars, well, what was barely my Star Wars was the original trilogy. And so, I don't know, for some reason, because Star Wars has been, especially after The Last Jedi, after the Solo, it's just been part of popular culture so much that when you pitched it to me, I was like, I can't, maybe it's time for me to revisit this. Yeah, yeah. Thank <laughs> you. 
refer to the prophecy of the one who will bring balance to the force. You believe it's this boy? He can see things before they happen. He can help you. The force is unusually strong with him. He was meant to help you. Anakin! Tell him to take off! Will I ever see you again? What does your heart tell you? Are you sure about this? Trusting our fate to a boy we hardly know? Anakin Skywalker, meet Obi-Wan Kenobi. I sense much fear in you. The boy is dangerous. They all sense it. Why can't you? Fear is the path to the dark side. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. Episode 1, The Phantom Menace, is directed by George Lucas and stars Liam Neeson as Qui-Gon Jinn, Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan Kenobi, Jake Lloyd as the young Anakin Skywalker, Natalie Portman as Padme Amidala, Ian McDermott reprising his role as uh, Palpatine, which was not, I don't think he was called yeah, Palpatine yeah. in the originals, he was just called the Emperor. Emperor. Terrence Stamp is in there as Chancellor Valorum. <laughs> no, like, like, what, like one scene. <laughs> Doesn't matter, man. That's General Zod. So I'm fine with it. <laughs> and so, yeah, I might be forgetting someone in there, but I mean, the, that's the main cast, I think. That yeah, we have to yeah. Take well, Jar Jar, whoever plays him. Oh, Ahmed Best. Ahmed Best. Uh, Ahmed plays Best. Jar Jar yes, Biggs. Of course. Uh, yeah, that, that, he put out a heartfelt tweet about a, a while back uh, talking about how the experience. Uh, of him doing Jar Jar Binks led him close to actually wanting to take his life, uh, given the vitriol that had come from that. And mm-hmm. I mean, look, if you look at Jake Lloyd as well right now, um, apparently he's he was diagnosed with schizophrenia back in 2000, I don't remember, maybe 11, 12, 13, or 14, roughly around that time. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, he, he, he'd been teased quite a bit for his performance as a child performance and then i remember ron howard had come out and defended it because ron howard was also a child actor and you learn as you go along and that jake lloyd actually did give a, a good performance in the film and i, I agree with that i think lloyd is no, perfectly fine he's I, great i don't know movie. where the point is going to be in this discussion where i can say that jake lloyd did a really good job at, at anakin but re- quickly revisiting it I thought he was great. I thought he was He's fine. fine. Like, it was he like was the Spielbergian standard. Yeah. I was very there you happy go. with Absolutely. it. Absolutely. I'm pre- very good. I like that. The Spielbergian standard. Uh, so I want to just quickly address what you just said, that you were going to, it was going to be easy <laughs> that was an to easy convince sell. me, <laughs> yeah, easy sell to get me to talk about Star Wars, yes, however, to talk about the prequels, no, because I think on our Rogue One episode, we did talk a little bit about our histories with Star Wars. Sure. And I'm I remember- I'm going to take your word for that, because that was nearly two years ago, and I don't remember yeah, anything about I, it. <laughs> I, I, if I recall, I used to say that I kind of count them within the Star Wars canon. I don't like the films. I mm-hmm. think that they're good stories, but poorly executed. Yeah. Well, that's still true. <laughs> see, here, here's the thing. The, the funny thing is, is that I'm not going to ever consider myself a prequelist, nor am I going to be call myself a prequel uh, apologist. But the funny thing is, is that I actually really had a good time watching it. When you when you suggested this, I was like, you know what? I'll, I'll give it a shot. Because yeah. I remember getting my kids to watch it. And I was like, fuck this. I'm going to go do the, 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 the dishes or wash the floors. <laughs> Anything is better than I'm watching the I'm getting angry. Prequels. It's time to do some angry cleaning. <laughs> exactly. I'm going to go do some angry cleaning. Because my daughters were like, hey, we should watch those three Star Wars movies. You don't like that. Mm. And I was like, all right, fine. And I put fine. them on. 
And and I remember, I think my youngest daughter, who really loves Star Wars, was like, I, I think that even today, she figures they're not good, but only as a means to please me. So I'm going to have mm-hmm. to sit down with her again and watch them for real and be like, you know what? These aren't these aren't bad. Mm-hmm. There are things mm-hmm. that I don't like about them, obviously. But I mean, there are things that I don't like about Jean-Luc Godard films either. So <laughs> it's really not a big deal. <laughs> That's um, a fair point, Jason. <laughs> I mean, no, no film is perfect. Loads of, good, loads of good works from good directors come out a little flawed. <laughs> there you go. I, I, before I get into my shit and why I've kind of done a little bit of a 180 on, on, on how I feel about Phantom Menace, and I actually started Attack of the Clones. I was texting you and I was like, I just finished this one and I think I, I feel like watching Attack of the Clones. Mm-hmm. And you're like, we're only doing one episode this season <laughs> on Star like, Wars, Jason. I am not sitting through Attack of the Clones. I need to <laughs> myself for that. And I said, I, I get to choose how I want to spend my afternoon, motherfucker. <laughs> And you wrote, oh, okay. <laughs> and so... Just got a, a little little defensive, little on edge. It's <laughs> like, really it so much Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> and so I did start Attack of the Clones. And to be honest, I I, I, I always enjoyed the first part of it. You know, I, I'm looking forward to getting to Kamino. I still have issues with, with Obi-Wan's uh, like beard and hair. It looks weird. It looks yeah. really like he, he had to, like, they, they glued the mustache and beard on. And then the hair is just like a I, weird... You know, wig that they put on episode him. two in a long time i don't know yeah. all i can think of is this episode three beard and i know that looked okay so. yeah that was his that was most likely his beard though that's the thing mm. but in the episode two i don't know if he was con- contracted to like do something else or somewhere <laughs> like that but at one point he's like yeah you know he's talking to anakin and there's a close-up on his face and you're like why is the mustache so low on his lip? Uh, but I want to I want to get into a little bit of what you I know I know your relationship with Star Wars. I know this for a longest time. This was your Star Wars, but you had seen mm-hmm. the, uh, other ones. These was probably your first experience in seeing Star Wars in the movie theater, which was yeah, also definitely. mine, by the way. So. It's kind of how I'm going into this conversation because mm-hmm. I've kind of as I've as I've showed you already have split the conversation into. Yeah, kid conversation and an adult conversation. I've got a be sheet sure for to each. check Lee's Instagram post for that. <laughs> yeah, 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 you can see the picture. It too. It. It's like adult conversation, kid conversation. This is how you talk about Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> and the yeah, so I mean, the thing is, as as a kid, I of course loved Phantom Menace. You know, like it was Star Wars. I couldn't see a difference between it and the original films. I've made sure to account for all of that in today's conversation to make sure that all that right. part is because ostensibly these films are kids' films. So the opinion of a kid is, in my head, more important because that's who it was made for, you know? So keeping that in the conversation and not dismissing it just because we're a little older seems important to me, you know? Right. But I've taken on board the parts of the films that, as an adult, I can now pay attention to and take in and sort of analyze and that there's there's a page full of more shaky stuff <laughs> that I'm like, okay, George Lucas knows how to write for kids, but I don't know if he knows how to write for adults. <laughs> okay, that's fair. So, so we're just saying that everything that has to do with the Trade Federation on Naboo is something that you're like, me about. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, okay. I, I, I don't like... I can see why. I think it's interesting because as a kid, I remember bits and pieces of that, but I don't really know what they meant story-wise by the time I rewatched it. Yeah. So... When I went back to watch it this time, I see the first part opens just like I remember it. The two Jedis are on the Trade Federation ship. Uh, I didn't know what they were there for. It turns out they're there for as a, like a envoy mission on behalf of the Galactic Senate. Oh my god, it's even boring to talk about. <laughs> I just, I understand a lot about the story. 
that's the weird thing, right? I, I see where Lucas is coming from. I see what he's trying to get across. Right. I see how to fit into a certain mold, he has to make things jump to places. And for a lot of the time, like the two thirds, the intention is so good it overshines the logic that makes it happen. Okay. You know, so and, and in that case, I could see why I really dug it as a kid. Because it wasn't so important, the particulars. It just mattered that they did the things. You know, right. they showed up mm-hmm. and they fucking kicked ass where they were supposed to kick ass. And that was all that mattered. And I still think that's true. I still think as a kid, you watch this film, you're not going to be bored. But as an adult, with your brain that is able to process all this dialogue they've given the characters, and you're going to be thinking about that dialogue as it hits you again and again, you're going to be like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> I don't know. I'm... <laughs> and some, uh, of it, I'm... some of it is, I'm... is I think, in uh, in your case... I'll explain away, is that you can see where that makes sense tying into later Star Wars films. Yes. You know? That, I understand if you take it as a standalone, then it, it's weird. It's it's kind of stupid objectively, but I see where that's leading up to something or a throwback to something or, you know, this great... It all kind of reads into itself like a big book. That's good. And I, if you're a Star Wars fan, I think that, that completes the circle. Like, then... Yeah. As a kid, you'll enjoy the kid parts as a Star Wars fan. You'll even enjoy like two thirds of the dialogue, and then th- there's just this part that's sort of not salvageable. <laughs> but for the most part, there's okay. like a lot of good stuff that I think more or less everyone would like about Phantom Menace that we've maybe just come a little too hard down on over time. <laughs> uh, it's a bit weird, yeah, because this is exactly like when I when I, I was writing my notes down and I showed you, and I'll, I'll I put this on Instagram. You know, I, I wrote down uh, Primus versus System of a Down, and you were like, "The fuck." <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is, is that uh, uh, this is a quick story to show how, how, how I've, I've changed a little bit when it comes to watching The Phantom Menace. Because, like I said, I sat down to watch it and I, I had a really good time. Mm-hmm. I, I, more, I was surprised by how much I, I actually had fun. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and it was weird because I did, like, had I done this last year, I probably would still feel the same about it. I'd be like, no, I don't like it. Right. Now, the Primus versus System of a Down... The way that it is is that I remember when System of a Down came out, I did not like the band. And everybody, my, all my friends were like, what are you, fucking nuts? This is great. You know, it's mm-hmm. brand new. It's, you know, it's in the same vein as this new metal stuff and all that stuff. And I was like, no, I don't give a shit about it. It's weirdly structured. I don't care about it. And uh, there was another band that one of my buddies used to love called Primus. And he really liked Primus, and I didn't like Primus at all. I thought it was boring as shit, you know, it was just slapping bass and all that stuff. And I thought it was mm-hmm. great. Les Claypool was innovative in his own way, and, you know, he makes good music for the people who enjoy it. And I'm not taking any – he's a great musician. I just don't give a shit. <laughs> now, what happened was I liked Rage Against the Machine, and Tom Morello was a guest on uh, – he, he featured on one of the tracks on a, a record that Primus put out called Anti-Pop. Right, And yes. I happened to really enjoy Anti-Pop anti-pop but most of the people that enjoyed primus said how do you call that anti-pop that is the most fucking pop record you've ever put out (laughs) and i was like that is a really good record i like it and people like it's because you don't understand primus and this is not a primus record and i was like all right fine now what that did to me was that one of my friends had brought over after like maybe i don't know maybe a couple of months or something like that where i was listening to anti-pop and i thought it was a really good record Mm -hmm. he brought the system of a down record and he played it for me the first one and I was like, well, this is quite like anti pop. <laughs> I was like, this is actually kind of good. I, I kind of like the guy's voice and all this. I was, this isn't the same thing I listened to the the the, the first.
first time? I says, mm-hmm. no, he says, it's exactly the same record. I said, why doesn't it feel the same? I says, I, so I, I kind of liked that first System of a Down record. Everything after that, I was kind of like, whatever. But I was like, okay, shit, what the hell? And I, I've always attributed that change to anti-pop. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, fast forward 20-some years to my experience in viewing The Last Jedi. And I really love The Last Jedi. And I mean, I've watched it. Like, I remember... We've made no bones in the show about this. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And I really love The Last Jedi. I think it's a fantastic film. And I I really loved The the Force Awakens as well. It took me time Mm -hmm. to kind of let it myself, like, uh, you know, just kind of live and breathe it for a while. And I've watched it, you know, over 50 times now. And I really think it's great. And I'm kind of going through the same process with The Last Jedi where I'm like, Jesus, this is fun. The more I watch it, the better I feel about it it and all that mm-hmm, and I, mm-hmm. not that i felt bad about it it's just that i'm like i'm connecting so many more things and i feel like the last jedi is kind of like anti-pop for me where it actually got me to go back and revisit the phantom menace which is the system of a down in this story and i'd be like <laughs> holy shit this is actually really good mm-hmm. this is not a bad movie there's a couple of shitty things in it like a bad song here or there like if you were listening to a record there's a song that you prefer more than another yeah, one Yeah, there, there are bits you would skip <laughs> exactly you're like ah this one fuck it i don't want to listen to this one mm-hmm. And I feel like that's what The Last Jedi has done. I feel like it, it tied so many things together that now when I sit down to watch it, I was a little bit more open-minded. Like there was a little bit more nuance going on in my brain where I'm like, holy shit, not only did Ryan Johnson make a movie that I really enjoy, he actually helped me like other movies that I didn't really like yeah. before that, which is kind of fun. Exactly. Well, there you go. And more so, praise for The Last Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but at the same time, I- I'm going to calm down on my on my Star Wars love because I think people assume that I love it more than I actually really do. Hmm. These aren't, yes, it's somewhat of a religion, but it's just that I-, I like the fantasy aspect of it and anything like that. I'm capable of reviewing, you guys have heard of all of our other episodes. I'm a film guy. I just happen to enjoy those because, you know, in times of stress or something like that, if I put that on, I can escape for a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the fun thing is, is that when I put on... The Phantom Menace, all of my issues or hatred or just disappointment with whatever the hell it was were gone. Yeah. And it felt great. I don't know if it's me that's getting older and I'm just like, hey, what's the point of being angry at this? Or it's just the fact, like I said, The Last Jedi really played a Jedi mind trick on me and saying, hey, you know what? This is this is actually where it started, and it's pretty good. I says to me, this reminds me of a lot of the swords and sandals epics or like biblical epics mm. that came out like in the... the uh, you know, beginning of the end of the 40s, 50s and 60s, you know, uh, you know, in Hollywood, even in Europe and whatnot. You know, I think Sergio Leone was playing in uh, those things and it's like that. But more specifically, things like, uh, you know, Cleopatra, Ben-Hur, Quo Vadis, uh, Spartacus and stuff like that, where mm-hmm. a lot of these things had to do deal with uh, political coups and then the rise of, of the, the slave, you know, to, to regain some yeah, sort absolutely. of freedom, you know, from oppression and whatnot. And I was like, that's kind of interesting, because if we look at how the context of Star Wars itself plays out during the 70s, you know, the, basing themselves on World War II and a lot of what happened in uh, Vietnam and things like that. You're like, well, how does Lucas go back and try to reshape some form of, of um, story? Yeah, you know? yeah, exactly. Some sort of build up to that part. Exactly. You know, how, how, do, how, do, the, how do these world wars take place? And well, they has, go back. He has the right idea, absolutely. Because if we look at um, from A New Hope onwards, it's sort of like in the middle of World War Two, you know, when they're yeah. fighting it. But Phantom Menace is the sort of political side of it, as you're saying. Like, you know, the, mm-hmm. the far more sit-down, the, the coup nature of it. Uh, especially, like, here, I mean, the, the, the Phantom Menace in this being Palpatine. Yeah. We're, we're seeing he is essentially, like, the Hitler, space Hitler, 
and how yeah. he basically does a coup of the of the Senate's bureaucratical nature and basically convinces and, and forces this whole operation just to get himself a little more par, mm-hmm. is a somewhat clumsy but pretty good intentioned take on on how World yeah. War II actually began. And then if you look at just how the, the, the battle droids march into speed, it's somewhat reminiscent of how like the Nazis marched into Austria or Poland or you know what yeah, I mean? They, yeah, they, they just started you know. to occupy. It was a basic invasion. Apparently it was justified by some certain government. There was no real fight back or anything like that. And I mean, you got these images that are kind of in history. I mean, like obviously Lucas is mixing things, you know, if you mm-hmm, go back, mm-hmm. like I said, to the biblical aspects of it and then the sword and sandals epics and, and then you're bringing in World War II references and all that. And so basically it's kind of like this is how revolutions or wars or, you know, start. Yeah, It's exactly. kind of interesting to see not, how those exactly, machinations are starting to go. It's interesting as well because you see that it's not exactly as exciting as the Star Wars you grew up with by design, you know, exactly, because, yeah. because that's just not how it occurs. It, it's not like a, a bomb drops and everybody floods in fighting each other. It's a bunch of people say a bunch of things and at some point somebody oversteps a boundary and then people try to react to it and then people start bombing and shit. You know, it, it, that's that's more akin to it. But Phantom Menace does a kind of smart thing in that it, it does try to up the intensity of that that diplomatic nature of the start of wars right and how the sort of conversations go and i think it does it really well i think um uh, well i say i think it does it really well it uh it has the right the right ideas yeah yeah right ideas just the execution sometimes can be a little sketchy i do think i do think lucas he he threatened he does threaten to upend the message a little bit this is on my adult conversation side of things cool go ahead so as a kid this this doesn't mean anything you know this like you'll you'll never notice this shit but i mean like i like that palpatine uses the trade federation as as puppets to get more i think that's a cool story that's very it's very nazi germany it's very hitler Mm -hmm. that's essentially what happens uh because, you know, if you actually look at how Hitler gained power, bureaucracy definitely was involved, you know, like, yeah. essentially, once he got that popular vote, but he wasn't really given power, he got the, the President von Hindenburg got pressure from big business and industry to basically yep. say, give Hitler a slice. And that's why he, he bowed over and gave him the position of Chancellor, you know, mm-hmm. and that system, that was the system essentially poisoning itself bureaucracy played a big role in that that's what lucas is trying to get at you know he's trying to tell us history can repeat itself because look how it happened in star wars the guy can just sort of pull a bunch of strings prey on the bureaucracy of of the moment and then bam he is now space now the most evil man in the universe has all the power in the universe you know that, that kind of thing it's a good idea I can't deny that, but it's my my actual problem with it is like it's in the details of it that Lucas yeah, yeah. threatens to to sort of use hyperbole to make what happens not register as useful to kids and or people who just want to see a sort of analogy of that exact period in time, right? Because he makes it more stupid, <laughs> you okay. know. So it's it's not enough for the Senate to fail to act quickly when, say, like Hitler, the people have no sh- no faith because, I don't know, something external is happening to them, a food shortage, an intensive labor. Those things, uh, you expect the government to, to come in on it, the Senate to come in on it, and they'll they'll jump in slowly because they over-assess and they're bureaucratical, and that's why progress doesn't really happen. But it doesn't happen when people are invaded. <laughs> progress doesn't halt and bureaucracy doesn't really get in the way of responding to attacks you know we don't really have a historical precedence for that when 
when Poland got invaded, everybody was in, you know? I mean, you could say America wasn't in, but that's because they had a different approach. You know, they wanted to try and tighten the, the purse strings of Germany instead of attacking them. Oh, come on, call it what it is. And I mean, if we get in any trouble, that's fine. But the Americans, <laughs> they, come on, there's no hiding the fact that they... This is that was war profiteering. Oh, yeah, flat of out. course, of course. <laughs> yeah, I understand that. But at the same time, it it makes some sense that you that you pressure that someone pressures diplomatically while others pressure sort of with force. I you know in yeah, the case yeah, like yeah. the invasion of Poland and stuff like that, it it made a little sense. I'm not saying that it wasn't just a you know a guise for secret ulterior motives, of course. But <laughs> <laughs> sure. I don't know. I disagree with that, man. No, there's no historical precedent for it. There isn't. Okay, okay. That's because I, I mean, look, look. Uh, well, let's let's check, take something uh, just recent. Um, the Russians bombing of Georgia. You know, the idea that they're just kind of marching into a place where they used to occupy before i don't remember which war or anything like that and they decided you know what this is this used to be ours we're gonna take it and you're like yeah but what, you're not supposed to be doing that you know and then the rest of the world powers are going like hey uh, we're gonna impose sanctions if you don't get out of there and they're like yeah fuck you you know what i mean so i mean there there is i understand that it's not but it's a reaction to one. you know like it's not it's one not... to one i get it but i mean eh. to me i'm like I, I bureaucracy is fucking slow and then i think lucas was just hammering that point home so much that's <laughs> what i mean well i i agree that the point needs to be hammered home I, and i'm with lucas there it is it for is, a kid we don't it, know <laughs> well i know even as an adult i'm like yes the system is slow and at yeah. times it misses the mark you know uh, yeah. but I think what Lucas does is build an, a scenario that's so extreme to me yeah. that it makes everybody who's involved look like a moron <laughs> you know and okay. that's fine because you want to sort of pastiche it a little I that's that can work but I think because of how stupid in the face of very clear and obvious danger these people mm-hmm. look it makes it makes me think that the kids who want to see the parallel are never going to see the parallel because government's never going to look that stupid. They're never going to look like big dummies who don't even see that when the queen rushes to them and go, I'm under attack, they go, are you? <laughs> you know, like, or a guy whispers in the ear. Yeah. The, the, the sort of, and I get that it's kind of fantasy, all right? I know it's, but, but- it, it, it is an extension of what we're supposed to know, but I think he goes too far and makes it so that it basically doesn't register as 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 important, you know? Like, it, it makes it seem like the whole system can't have reacted, and it's so extreme that it can't actually teach the lesson I think he wants to teach, which is, you know, sometimes clean out the fucking system, you know? Sometimes you gotta, you gotta get some fucking action in there. <laughs> I, I understand. I mean, to me, the, this is reminiscent of Neville Chamberlain for me, before sure. Churchill took power, mm-hmm. where he saw all this shit was happening and did nothing about it. I get that. I get that. I, I understand if this were talking about something preventative. If the Trade Federation hadn't actually invaded Naboo, but were still in that blockade, I'd be like, do something, and we'd all be frustrated. Mm-hmm. And the point would sit, because life is like that, you know? Because people could just clearly break rules, but because the system doesn't technically say they are, yeah. they're getting away with it, you know? Yeah. I, I agree with that. I think where the Trade Federation start is a great position to make a point. It's when they actually do they're like, oh no, the Jedi are on board, fucking invade, you know? And that's the start of the film, and then they rush out, and they've just crashed their ship, and they go through all this shit, and they're like, 
we didn't see it happen. <laughs> like that, that to me is too yeah. far. You know, that's that's like mm-hmm. that's when you have you've missed the point of what you're trying to say because you want to make it more exciting. But okay, yeah, it it, it quashes the point a little. I think the the hyperbole forces you to see it more as like a parody than as a as a metaphor or, or a one to one parallel. You know, and mm-hmm. by doing that, I think especially in a kids film i don't know what the result was supposed to be like if if then you were you go out and go like well you can't trust the government because that doesn't make you any better than anybody you know you're yeah, supposed you're right. to try to work with the system you have and then fix it <laughs> but it's, i don't know it just, no, i can it understand right. what you're it, saying it seems you know, like it goes too far and they're juggling messages yeah don't trust the government but at the same time we have to build it this way because it leads up to darth vader so it's kind of <laughs> I, I get i get what you're saying i completely get it and it i, I think because the, the the parallel between nazi germany is so real and it's he's got all the pieces there that just kind of make it like that you know react when they react but still be frustrated you can have amadala still be like why didn't you help us when we needed jizz in the first place we were telling you these guys were coming yeah and you sat there and just sent two jedi who got chased off you know like what are we supposed yeah. to do you know and that's then the, you could just then it's like that, oh yeah. that's exactly like nazi germany <laughs> yeah. and it, i mean the thing is is that he, he's basically tiptoeing around the fact that he's building the story of an evil individual Mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. the end and i mean that's got to be really touchy because if lucas wants to get that message across he has to make it look like not 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 like he's promoting it you know what i mean yeah absolutely because essentially <laughs> the prequels that's what they are they're like well here's the rise of fascism and you're like well how do i make that entertaining that's got to be a real weird conundrum absolutely and i think <laughs> but that's i think what you you point out really well is that the influence he takes from the the sort of the sandals epics yeah shows that it has been done you know like those coups and those and those big revolts and stuff like that and and how there is you know political intrigue but there's also loads of action pieces and a lot of great bombastic moments where you where things happen on screen that entertain audiences i think his inspiration is in the right place i think you're right to pick those up but somehow he misses that usually those those films have like underlying logic that helps you get to from point a to point b without thinking everybody in between is a fucking moron I get that. So, I, and it's uh, that's what I mean. This is adult conversation on on my page. I'm like, I don't want to nitpick it too much because it's not what the film does so much better at even attempting to ad- address these kind of things. And I'm like, good, good try, you know. <laughs> like, yeah, it's pretty fucking cool that we get to see fucking the rise of Hitler in Star Wars. That's nuts, you know. Like, <laughs> it like, is. That's a really fucking bold ambition. <laughs> mm. I, I mean, I'm not. I'm not trying to be difficult about it. I, I kind of get how you do it. The, what I'm trying to figure out is how I would do it, and that's not a good way to go about it. But um, <laughs> because that's it. When I was sitting through it, I that's mean, a starting point. <laughs> it, well, but it made it made sense to me when I was watching it. That's the thing. I didn't. I, didn't, mm. I tried to take it in, and, and I mean, I don't have that adult mode when it comes to this right now. Mm-hmm. I'm more of like a teenager mode. <laughs> yeah, where they're, they're, teenager I, I look mode. at the things I'm, I'm trying <laughs> to see past mode. surface level, but I'm like, ah, oh, that works. You know, it works mm-hmm. fine for me. I, I kind of understand, like you know. But I, I understand that, you know, finding the core audience for this is a very strange one where you're like, yeah. who is this for? I know. And I think you, you're right in that it's, you, you mentioned to me off camera that it's kind of because it's like an origin story. There's a lot of having to build a world 
And yeah. you have to really like there's like you can't build a world more than you have to in the in the story that explains previous stories, you know? Like if yeah. it's not gonna be here, where's it gonna be? And so that's a massive task. And that's why that's Phantom it. Menace had a had an uphill battle from its conception. It's and to well, see it come out nearly as good as it does is is pretty impressive, you know? The funny <laughs> thing is is that you have to tell the story of how Darth Vader became Darth Vader, but you also that implies that you have to know Palpatine. Yeah. So there has to be that dynamic that's created because the rule of two and at the same mm-hmm. time if we know for a fact that obi-wan's the one who trained anakin then we have to have his story as well how he came about meeting him and so it's it's kind of it's all these pieces like i was it seems like we have to go back down again and we're going to use that that, that that one thing we go back to the omega point you know the idea that we're going to have to show where there's a huge split between Anakin and Obi-Wan because that, mm-hmm. that's just one of those tales of legend where they actually had to fight and Obi-Wan was the guy who injured uh, Anakin into becoming Darth Vader in a way, I guess. Yeah, uh, sure. The Darth Vader we know. And so I, I was like, it's like a whirlwind. It has to be shaped somewhat like an hourglass. It has to be large at the top and then we go and we funnel it and then we yeah, have to dilate make... Dilate to the start. Exactly. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And then we go back out again, you know, once we mm-hmm. get there, that 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 dilation in the middle is that omega point and i feel like the phantom menace if we look at how you know it would be a a tornado a whirlwind of things that are just sucking in so many different aspects of the story Mm -hmm. that he had no choice but to start that large yeah absolutely and like i said i said the senate the way that the senate is shaped is actually kind of like that a funnel it's one of those things where everything comes down to those one little those little decisions you know and so then i don't know what my point is in all this it's just that it can be muddy yeah you're right it is it's muddy in that you, you kind of do have to dig at times to see that and you're also not entirely sure yourself whether the intention was always there i'm like because there's something really cool about this film as well is that all the spaceships are designed backwards yeah and i, I thought that was because technologically because we can see them clearer, we're supposed to think that they are slick and modern looking mm-hmm. to sell the toys. But all of them are designed facing the wrong way. Mm-hmm. And that's supposed to encourage you to go and think that this is sort of like for the Star Wars you know. And that's a, I, I always thought that was baffling as a kid and very cool. Because I was like, I had this fucking Naboo starfighter and it flies the opposite way, the way it's you think it's going to go. Yeah. Or the pod racers, or you think these big engines, surely they're going to propel you this way, but it's actually dragging like a chariot. You know, like... It's, no, it's, so that's the fun thing about the, 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 the reference to Ben-Hur there, is that... Yeah, exactly. And so many cool ideas like that where you know that the intention of even like the artists working on it were like you know i've got something for you, <laughs> you know, yeah i mean so the thing there is, was is some that cohesion backwards politics back doors the, the ships going backwards like that you know the exactly. fact that uh, you're trying to mix church and state as well with the jedi order and and you're like yeah uh-huh, yeah i mean going? speaking of that i mean that's that's such a bold thing as well what lucas did with the jedi in this film is make them assholes <laughs> Yeah, the I one mean, thing that we thought was pure from the original trilogy, exactly. Lucas says, hey, there's a reason they were like that. Yeah, exactly. There's a reason why they bombed out and you don't see a lot of them hanging around is because they were just a bunch of fucking jerks. <laughs> <laughs> they, they're set up as a sort of religion, but they're more akin to like the Catholic Church almost because like they're tied to like this knighthood code and they're mm. tied to the state that they defend and therefore like in that sort of structure is sort of their downfall because now they're attached to this bureaucracy and they everything they do is marred with these fucking systems so they're bureaucratical like the system's bureaucratical and so Lucas is basically saying church and state are a fucking shambles and often get in the way of good decision making and that's 
cool, and he does he does this with the fucking Jedi, which are like the money making gold of the series. Yeah, <laughs> and he goes like, oh well, I mean, everyone you know is an asshole, uh, including Yoda, who you thought was so cool that lovely little puppet. He's a he's probably the biggest dick of them all, <laughs> who refuses to let anybody get anything. <laughs> Yeah. And you know, there's so many cool. I, I just think it's it was it's quite ballsy of him to be like you know to make them like this, even though we we end up going through a story where there's not a lot of people to like in it. Yeah, that that's something I want to touch on with you is that 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 was probably the one thing that I really enjoyed because Qui Gon seems like he's a template for Ahsoka Tano, mm-hmm. and it's funny because he he's kind of like he's not a hundred percent light side should be the only side. He is obviously yeah. not a dark side user. But at the same time, I felt that Ryan Johnson was basing Luke Skywalker more on a Qui-Gon rather than an Obi-Wan. He was kind of yeah, like absolutely. testing a little bit of what was going on, going against what the Jedi really wanted, truly studying the matter and going like, I can use this to my advantage, but at the same time, I have to keep a level head about it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, Qui-Gon is probably one of the most under-celebrated Jedi that is yeah, around. He, and he's and very there should be like, more stories about him. I guess I guess it's because he um, his stoicism often lands with the audience a bit one note. But uh, I, I don't know. I, I, it seems like how those like old-fashioned uh, philosophers would work if we keep the idea that this is something of a like an epic. Mm. Uh, then, you know, you always get those sort of advisor characters who often have grand outlooks on life that try to sway the conversation and take chances in those kind of ways. And Qui-Gon does that. He often blurs the rules a little bit to, to see if he can... He can find a, a better advantage than the system he's working with yeah and that's interesting but he's but he also often kind of preaches yeah he's great about it i mean and i love the fact that liam neeson reprised his role uh in martin scorsese's silence so, <laughs> as we mentioned before <laughs> <laughs> so qui-gon was in silence yeah so i mean there's there's stuff like that that's great and also when you talk about um references something we agreed on before um, we started talking was about Jar Jar's influence. Well, that's it. I mean, when I was talking about, like, you know, the references that were there, I mean, Jar Jar is probably one of the the biggest, you know. I was talking about swords and sandals, you know, the biblical epics and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And, and, I mean, we'll get to the pod race, obviously. But Jar Jar is, is one of, like, we were talking about in terms of like slapstick. I mean, there's a, there are two references that I kind of spotted on this viewing. There's probably more, but sure. one was like a 1924's uh, girl shy with Harold Lloyd when he's hanging off the, the tramway scene, which is essentially what Jar Jar is doing off the tank. And then there's also uh, yes. the Buster Keaton film, seven chances where he's basically chased by these giant rocks going down a hill, like the same way Jar Jar is being chased by those, those weird those like orbs. balls. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, look at that. I mean, Jar Jar is, is what is he? Is this Lucas celebrating his his uh, heroes from the silent era, uh, you know, yeah. uh, of slapstick comedy and whatnot? He talks too much. To, to he be does his, talk uh, too much. Yeah, you know, that is but. that is the real downside is that he never shuts the fuck up. <laughs> yeah. But I, I think that explains a lot about why I really liked him as a kid. Because yeah. the scenes that he's in are so full of life. And so exciting. Just like slapstick, they're almost like a, a universal language kids definitely relate to, where we see both comedy and action and stakes all come together in one image and a series of, of set pieces. And, and especially in that last act with Jar Jar in the battlefield, you see him basically failing upwards. And I, I <laughs> think that's that in itself is a great like um, lesson, because uh, Anakin does the exact same thing. The two of them share that. Anakin basically autopilots his way into the, the Trade Federation 
gunship yeah. and then accidentally blows everything up and just manages to get out and he basically does what Luke Skywalker does only without ever conceiving it you know like he just sort of I don't know I thought that's that's cute and I thought that when I was a kid I, I liked both those characters and both the action that they're both in because I'm like well it's funny and they get the job done you know so I mean yeah. have a sense of humor about yourself <laughs> No, that's great. I mean, I think a lot of it has to do with, like you were talking about it, in terms of chance, you know, and failing upwards and all that. And I mean, if we look at, we tie that back to The Last Jedi, where Yoda says that failure is the greatest teacher. Yeah. I mean, that's the funny thing is, is that uh, Anakin, even if we go to the pod race, and like I said, the clear reference to that is going to be to Ben-Hur. You have this, mm-hmm. this slave that's forced to do chariot racing in order to, you know, liberate uh, a lot of, you know, what he's going on. But I mean, you even have outside world influences coming to play in there because George Lucas is a huge... Formula One fan or racing in general. I mean, he's a guy that loved cars and he was a mechanic. I think, he, and the funny thing is, is that I mean, he, I, I go to the race in Montreal, the F1 weekend, and Lucas is, he's there often. You can see him in the paddock. I think he goes to the one in Austin as well. And so he, he just loves he's in the, he's being in the around the seats. engines. Exactly. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's not sitting next to me. That's for sure. <laughs> and, and I have good tickets, but Lucas has the tickets. Yeah. I, I imagine so. <laughs> just walks in there and he's like, you know, I could buy all this. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is that that's what I thought was interesting is like his love of engines and, and just racing in general. I mean, like Sebulba's car or his pod, I should say, you know, the the sound that it has is like that V-twin uh, engine that comes from mm. a Harley Davidson, which kind of implies that Sebulba is one of those like part of biker gangs and it's on a lesser scale. But there's <laughs> conflict there as well. And Anakin has built the fastest, you know, pod that's mm. ever been built. And at the same time, it has the I. I I don't know. It falls apart every five seconds. (laughs) Yes and no, but I mean, that that kind of is what a Formula One car is, you know, and it Mm -hmm, has the mm -hmm. sound of that V10, I think that was at the late 90s era of of, of engine making in Formula One, where before they went into this hybrid where they sound like, you know, a little bit like lawnmowers. And it's kind of great because, I mean, as as a racing fan myself, I hear that pod, you know, Anakin's pod is an F1 car, and I'm like, oh, look at the sound of that thing. It sounds like a jet. That's fantastic, you know? (laughs) And so, I also and even, I, I do love that there's such a physical touch to the thing as well. The fact that he has all these like little switches and stuff on the inside, we get to see him actually use yeah. them. I don't know, man. That's not the physical side of that really sold me on the whole pod race thing. I was like, oh man, you could actually do something. You've got a, a magnetic hook in case your coil comes off. I mean, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> I want to buy that toy. <laughs> but I mean, like that. Yeah, absolutely. And I'd love to have one of them, like Anakin's pod. That would be great. I'd love to have that. But look at Anakin's chariot. The way that it's designed is actually the back half of an F1 car, which is great. You know, he has a little yes. pad for his hat, his head. I mean, for his helmet and all that stuff. And even the dirt that he has on his face harkens back to like. 1950s Formula One racing yeah, where they uh-huh. only had the glasses and the helmets and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, so right. it's very and... much like the speed racer type of like open air Formula One car. <laughs> exactly. And I, I love those little touches because you can tell that Lucas is kind of mixing again the real world things of like adding little 50s touches, but with a touch of modernity to it as well, you know. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. you can see that all of his references are pointing us in this direction. You know, if you go back to the 20s with the silent films we talked about and the slapstick and this, you know, the biblical epics that we're talking about from the 50s and then you know having Anakin's face be like that from the racing in the 50s but giving mm-hmm. it the sound of a jet engine car he, he's really mixing so many different things that I understand why you know people are like well pick one motherfucker I have no idea yeah, where yeah, you yeah, yeah. you know he is but, he, he does try to, he does try to make what is basically the historical era that we should understand also alien at the same time so 
It's got but this me, great blur, but it does it sets the aesthetic for the the film really well because I you know I always know that the prequels feel differently from yeah, the original films, yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. because of that you know it really does set it aside as this weird little beast of its own. I have to I have to look at this. You know, the, even three act structure is a bit weird. We, you know, to me is a little bit more of Obi Wan's story, um, mm-hmm. and then we lose him throughout the almost the entirety of second act where he's just benched <laughs> he and just this is sits. where we meant we meet Anakin yeah he's just, he's just there on the ship waiting the funny thing is to me about how that is is just how I'm living my life right now mm-hmm. you know I, I or even like I'll even go to when I was a kid during the Gulf War mm-hmm. you know this was the late 80s and all that stuff I'm living in Baycomo which is a small town in Quebec I'm seeing this on TV and it, I mean I'm pr- it's probably affecting my parents' wallet you know the like gas was probably really high at that point sure uh you know and, and, but i i have no real i can't say that it affected me no and i course. think that lucas does a good job of showing that no matter how big these conflicts are there are still people around just living their lives mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know anakin is is part of a, of a of a system yes where there's still slavery in the world and even amidala mentions that padme mentions that you know when she was like I didn't even know that there was still slavery in the galaxy. You know, the, the, yeah, the, yeah, the, the yeah, laws sure. and all that stuff would prohibit that. But then you you realize that even today after documentaries like 13th, where they're like, no, they just fucking have slavery yeah, they still. They just change the name. Change the name, they, exactly. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, look, Lucas is kind of touching on that a little bit where, you know, a lot of what's been going on is still going on. And there haven't been these big significant changes and sometimes we need these little miracles out of these little individuals and Mm -hmm. it's kind of interesting because if you look at all the conflicts that are around it's easy to see why a kid as bright-eyed as Anakin was become the man he was because he never really had a a good a shot Yeah, yeah and so everyone who says that Lucas went back too far and you're like well see this is what the rising in a generation like this is because if you look at now Mm because i think the phantom menace means more to me now Mm -hmm. given the fact that what's going on in the world right now with trump as president and i i know that you know we can reach you know but i mean yeah yeah season four trump is president season (laughs) yeah what i mean it's because like with this all this cultural tension you know there's a trade war going on right now with nafta i'm living in canada and i i read about this every day canada the united states and mexico and -hmm. trump is trying to play all these sides with his weird cards and whatnot and people are kind of threatened by it and then he's also threatening the european union that he's going to cut them off as well and you know and then then we have like the the in 2016 when he when he became president was kind of like the vote of no confidence in hillary clinton so we elected this other guy instead we're seeing this weird decline in democracy and this rise of extremism without calling it you know fucking fascism Mm -hmm, in a way mm -hmm. and i'm looking at that and i'm looking at the young generation that is living through this right now who are been giving a voice from families that are are okay i'm i'm trying to mask my words and all that you'll you'll have these weird ass white supremacists in the southern united states and all that that have been given a voice as a result of trump's election and you're talking about let's say those kids children who are going to be growing up that and going to school with other people that are being influenced by all these negative things yeah Mm -hmm. that generation of kids are not being given a proper chance to grow up in an environment where they can actually make up their mind in a way they're being manipulated to think certain things when it's not necessarily how the world is and i can kind of see that manifest through how anakin is going to be I might be mixing things and people will probably come out and call me on it and that's fine, okay? 
Correct me if I'm wrong. Please do that. I want to learn. That's that's part of how my process works for the show now. I want to make mistakes and I'm probably making one as I'm speaking right now. So I'm admitting to it. The only thing is, is that when I see it, when I watch The Phantom Menace, I was like, Anakin never had a shot. Not only is he burdened by the Jedi that think that maybe this, this prophecy, this idea of taking the children of that thing, liberating them and saying, hey, this is who you're supposed to be. And he's kind of stuck in between two ideologies and one is actually catering to a voice that's inside him saying, I think there's a lot of these things that are going wrong. Maybe yeah, I should join absolutely. this guy. You know, you're like, what the fuck? You there's kind of see where it comes circums- from, right? And it's it's interesting because Lucas does put it all under democracy, not fascism this time. You know, so yeah. that's interesting that we're seeing how this kid grows up in a, you know in a democratic atmosphere and yet there's a kid underneath it all at the bottom rung of it who just grows and rises in power with the 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 growing extremist faction of it and and that's a great warning you know because that's how they get that voice you know that's how they reach out once that growing dissent exists in democracy and starts to shake up enough Mm-hmm. There'll be someone who can see it both ways, who will be swayed like that. And it's a good interpretation of how people become sort of second in command to the Hitler of, of their day, you know? So Yeah, it's kind of interesting now when I'm looking at it as a whole and I'm like, I'm not making excuses. Anakin did slaughter hundreds and hundreds of people. Oh, yeah. <laughs> terrible person terrible fucking person or he becomes a terrible person (laughs) yeah exactly he becomes even worse you know what i mean it's just one of those things where i'm like wow it makes more sense now in my opinion than it made sense back then even if we were looking at bush jr it doesn't come close anyway from my knowledge anyway because now i have a little bit more of a of a background knowledge of what the hell's going on and that when i was watching the phantom menace i was like is this prophetic or is this george lucas saying it's always been the same yeah yeah exactly and i think he does touch on that really well and I, I, again this is all sort of the adult conversation you're not going to notice this shit as a kid although hopefully you kind of would take away that lucas is trying to infer that the start of where the empire goes looks a little like this and maybe you can see that today and it's a cautionary tale in that sort of sense it's a clumsy one admittedly but it's one that has the right intentions and a lot of the right pieces does it translate perfectly to an action film maybe not no (laughs) not entirely and that's why that structure feels so weird and why it starts so rickety and so slow but i mean i don't think there's a lot of strength to defend it as an excellent film, but the intentions are are always worth assessing. Yeah. And I think we can make good cases for them. I will say, on the, on the other end of my adult conversation, I do have one, and I think we've sort of danced around it a little bit is it's um and this is kind of a thing that's not just star wars really but it's, it's like that phantom menace has that classic colonialized worldview that makes watching it icky <laughs> yeah, yeah. i mean it yes it, it lends itself heavily into archetypes and stereotypes uh, and a lot of maybe that comes from the films lucas grew up on that's that's almost certainly the case i mean it's a lot of shit i still grew up on has a lot of these these yeah, factors me but too. yeah but and, and it's and it's a thing because when you look at like colonialization and sort of decolonialization and what people are trying to do these days is is because of the sort of patronizing and, and disparaging effect that colonialism had on its countries and a lot of the cultures around the world that weren't white <laughs> yeah. the, that sort of that ethos pervades into our media from like the classic adventure uh, novels that we used to have where these people would go across the world and see the savages and the the tribal and it all yeah. be lesser uh alien almost and and when people start to write uh adventure stories they automatically lift a lot of that because that's 
that's in their head how they do a, a, a classic adventure story. Mm. But, you know, you don't have to do it that way. No. And, I mean, even Star Wars did it well before uh, with Return of the Jedi, I think. Um, because we get uh, a creature like the Ewoks, who, yes, are tribal, but there's not really a lot about them that are human. No. Exactly. That's, that's what. Yeah, that's exactly. Good point, man. So I mean, that's what I mean. They're like they're teddy bears. They don't speak English. They clearly have totally different values to people. But you can't point at a civilization and go, "There's something about them that reminds me of a person." You know, you don't look at the Ewoks and go, "They remind me of people." They don't. Yeah. They don't remind me of people at all. And therefore, there's not a lot to take. It, it it takes the nature of of what those adventure stories did with alien cultures, uh, but it it transfers them to something that's harmless in my head. Because I don't think it, it reflects on any particular sect of people. Just alien, you know? Something other. Without being personable. But the the, the thing with the Gungans uh, is that they are very much people-like. <laughs> yeah. You know? And, they, and they're written like the, the typical not-white race. <laughs> you know? They, yeah, it's a, that is touchy, they, man. Yeah. They, they speak like broken English. I'm not really mm. sure what the accent is, to be honest. But it's it's definitely like... it's You can hear registers of it in something I've heard before. Um, and they and they don't like the white people due to perceived... Sub- I mean, the Nubu people are almost all white people, especially the leaders, except for uh, Tanaka or whatever his name is. Yep. <laughs> you know, the, it's, it's, it's obviously a very out-of-touch white society. Lucas definitely paints that picture as well because we get... Padme not knowing that slavery is a thing. There, there are countermeasures that he's wise enough to put in. So I mean, he's he's not totally like out of his mind. But, but I mean, uh, just the fact that the white people live above yeah, exactly the man. Gungans, <laughs> and you're like, oh man, exactly. But yeah, and you know, they they don't like the white people because of their perceived subjugation and arrogance to them. You mm-hmm. know, like ugh. It's real standard, classic, savage approach, you know, and that's sort of, you know, where the fucking original terms for savages come from, which is just a bunch of racist old white guys from the old days, yeah. you know, and it, and to see that sort of creep its head into Star Wars is really unsettling when you're watching Phantom Menace, because you're like, oh, I, I, I hate, I hate it. <laughs> um, and it's, I mean, the same with the Trade Federation as well. Yeah. They're like weird, mildly broken English. They, you know, they're, and they're puppets to an evil white overlord but they're not smart enough to really even realize that or work that out themselves and that's how that colonialization effect works way past the days of colonialization is it's like a it's like a a mental thing to insult the intellect of the people even though they are their own people now you know they're not they're not owned by these countries but what those those bits and pieces of their culture wow they sure are alien uh, it's gross, man. <laughs> and, and it's 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 not like a film ruiner kind of thing. It, it never has been, and I think that's why it's so easy for people to defend. Is because it doesn't like oh you can just ignore that. And I mean yeah you can, but you're not supposed to because it's it's so clearly rooted in old idealism. And even Lucas seems apologetic for it at times in this film. <laughs> so you know, and I think there's a reason why we don't see a lot of those characters afterwards. I think he took the criticism to heart a little bit when it came to those alien creatures and that's why they kind of just make somewhat cameos in the second and third films and you can get where he's coming from if it's all from the the, like it's trying to set films in a particular era well these characters would have been in those films of the era you know these stereotypes but it's it's not great and that's 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 just on my adult conversation side of things (laughs) no but that you're you're 100 percent right and this is where i think that that george lucas the writer and lawrence kazan the writer have very differing approaches to 
you know, how they view society. Yeah. And the funny thing is, is that you you pointed it out, the colonial aspect of it is really troubling to me. Mm -hmm. And I noticed it this time and I was like, why is this one sounding weirder than the other Star Wars? And it's because of language. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The idea that these creatures are different and had had he just made that, had he just had them have their own language, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. then it would have fixed everything. Uh, yeah, the same I thing with the right. Trade Federation, the, the thing with the Gungans, Watto, have them have their own language. I mean, if you look at uh, at when just when Luke and Obi Wan and and the, the droids head into the cantina on Mos Eisley, everyone there. You have Ponda Baba there, which is going to be with, with Doctor. Uh, Evazon and Evazon has to translate what Pandaboba is saying. Sure. You know, Evazon mm-hmm. speaks English, the barman speaks English, but then you'll have the conversation between Greedo and Han, and Greedo doesn't speak English, but Han understands mm-hmm. him. You'll have Chewbacca, yeah. who's a fucking Wookiee, who's brrr, always talking like that, and we under, you know, just yeah, the context yeah, exactly. of that. Yeah. How- it's written. Even, even Java, exactly. You know, it's not a point at something. But again, uh, he doesn't speak English and therefore it's hard to, to it's, it's to hard associate. to see him. Because exactly. it's so easily, you could easily have made Java like some fucking Sicilian stereotype or something. He's a mafia gang yep. lord, you know, he's a godfather of types. That's not cool. But he didn't exactly. do, they, they didn't do that. He's just, a, he just, raw, raw, raw. That's it. <laughs> like, exactly. But I mean, had the Gungans, like the Ewoks, had their own fucking language yeah that would have taken the stereotype completely out the door that exactly okay. because there's there's not a lot in how they designed the culture that i think there's bits and touches of sort of asianized kind of look to the underwater world but a lot of it isn't really it's alien enough to not really be associated with anything human and i think exactly in the aesthetic it sometimes can lead you to to assume a, a different culture so you have to be kind of careful of that stuff but i think that you're right in that just changing them to their own language is enough, particularly in the Gungans' case, to sort of overlook a lot of what you you assume could be misinterpreted or interpreted, not misinterpreted, as, as a dig and or a play on a stereotype. Yeah, but I mean, just look at like when when the Anakin's fixing his 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 pod, mm-hmm. you'll have a young Greedo-like character that's there. Yeah, who I right. think is played by Warwick Davis. I have no idea. Some of them are kid, actual kids, and some of them. Yeah, and exactly. And there's one that has sort of like a Greedo <laughs> mask on, and he says, "Oh, uh-huh. ho, ho, Annie," and I'm like, "He's not supposed to be speaking English." Yeah, some of the other kids don't speak English. <laughs> why is yeah. he? Why is he speaking English? <laughs> And it's very weird because the only person that I noticed that doesn't speak English in the movie, and I'm playing it in my head right now, I think it's Jabba. Jabba, during the pod race, he's the one. There's, there's a couple, I believe, and they're all on Tatooine. Um, okay. Because there's the, the, the co-host head of the, one of of them the podcast speaks English, race the one doesn't, doesn't speak yeah. English. Uh, and I think one of Annie's kids' uh, okay. friends doesn't speak English. Speaks their own language. I don't know if they were an alien or not. I, I wasn't really paying attention, but there was a part... Where somebody was not speaking yeah. English. And, of course, the droids. Watto speaks a different language to Anakin. That's right. Yeah, yeah. They have like a Tatooine shared yeah. language. So Bulba speaks a different language. Okay, so Jabba's yeah. so not the only one. Of, there's yeah, a lot of on other Tatooine, languages. There's a lot of like, But that's what I mean. When you're looking at those characters, except Watto, who has a number of other traits, and you don't look at Sebulba and think, he's a, he's a stereotype or something, because I have no he's idea what a, he's a biker. He he's just a monster. <laughs> <You're> like, <laughs> that's all I think, is I see him like, oh, he's a biker. That's it. Yeah. But, I mean, there's no... He's just wearing leather and who gives a shit? You know, bikers look like that. Fine, I get that. But that's not... And that's the other thing is is that where I'm like, okay, just give them languages. 
Just change the fucking language. That's yeah. all you need to do. So I mean, that's and I think that Star Wars is done. I think no. I mean, I'll have to rewatch two and three to see what happens. But yeah. I think it's done a good job steering clear of that kind of territory again. Uh, but it's definitely something unsettling and definitely not kosher. <laughs> that I thought was worth pointing out that a kid me and that's kind of the harmful thing. Kid you doesn't. It's not a part of the kid conversation because kid you doesn't realize it's a, it's 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 wrong because it's maybe your first time ever seeing shit like that. You know or yeah. It's part of something that you've seen only through TV, and it's like, oh well, that's not that's not a big deal. Other things do it, yeah. But it is kind of a big deal, you know. And it is, really it is. A, it's a huge old deal. and old standard. To see it in 1999 is really fucking weird, actually. <laughs> but it's just like like I said, Kasdan didn't do that, you know. Mm-hmm. Yoda Yoda has an old man's accent and doesn't really matter. He speaks backwards. He has his own fucking language when he speaks yeah. English. Yeah, well, I'd exactly. love to know what Yoda usually speaks because if everything is it backwards, there must be some precedent for why he speaks like that because yeah, he seems yeah, to guess. be translating because i teach english to 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 uh to uh francophones and yeah. sometimes you'll see like okay syntax is is, is all a little j- jumbled you know so i understand yoda must come from a different type yeah, of place syntax, where of course absolutely yeah but i mean the 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 it's one of the things that separates them from the original trilogy that i don't particularly enjoy and i picked up on it this time and i was like this is why some of it feels strange Mm-hmm, it's because mm-hmm. the aliens look alien but they don't sound alien yeah exactly yeah it's such a baffling like like non-decision i guess Cause yeah because the care- jumps caretakers out at you. look caretakers in last jedi they don't speak english mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it feels like a decision that they would have made jar jar not speak english it seems like that was on the because he's like the surrogate for chewbacca at this point and that would have been great had he been like had his own language it would yeah, have been. Yeah. He would have been not as bad. So much more tolerable. <laughs> yeah, because you're like, oh, he keeps talking, man. He's annoying as hell. But what's yeah, he saying? Yeah. He actually commands focus at that point. Yeah, where you're he like, always, okay, that's what I mean. He always draws your attention, and it's usually negative because you're with the characters, and all the characters hate him. So you're like, okay, <laughs> like yeah. Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan find him a nuisance, and you're wondering, like, what what were they trying to achieve of a character that everybody in the story hates? <laughs> yeah. I know, I know George Lucas will never listen to this. There's one thing that I do have to point out is because when he put out, uh, what's it, Red Tails? He yeah. went into an interview, and this is now an infamous I interview. I think I know this interview, yeah. <laughs> talks about being one of the first people to actually like make a make an all-black, all-black film, action is that film. And you're like, uh, whoa, how out of touch are you there, dude? That's not, that's not true at all. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And you're like, okay, that that's problematic, and I mean, that kind of explains why mm-hmm. a little bit of the Phantom Menace <laughs> is the way it is. Where you're like, okay, you've been very much in George Lucasville for a very, very long time. Mm. It's kind of like Prince, you know. If ever you've heard Kevin Smith's story about Prince living in Princeville, you yeah, know, yeah, of course. you know, he's like he tells a story about I think wanting a camel in Minnesota at three in the morning and they have to explain to him why he can't have that, (laughs) you know? And so Lucas is probably one of those guys a little bit where he's been living in Lucasville for a very long time. And mm-hmm. this isn't a, I'm not trying to criticize him, you know, I mean, I, I'm, I, I, I kind of feel sad for the, the guy because he had a great time making these. Yeah. He loved it. He was like, finally, the technology can meet my imagination. This is fucking cool. Yeah. Let's see what I, mean, I can do. In a lot do. of ways, you can see how when he would have been excited as it kept coming to fruition. Like, a lot of the stuff looks great. You know, like a lot of the designs and stuff. The actual world of episode one is a far more lived in feeling world than even when he, you know, when he tries to sort of jam that into the special editions, you know, and it doesn't work because they're very closed sets and he's just sort of filling the screen with shit. 
This yeah. time you get big wide scapes, and while it does take a little bit of the uh, the central nature away from the characters, mm-hmm. it definitely sells you on like, Tatooine's a fucking place, you yeah. know, where, where the seediness that's alluded to in A New Hope, you get to fucking see, you know, you see how it's a fucking live-in slum, you know, and then it's like, yeah. Jesus, it is a hive of treachery or whatever the fuck Obi-Wan calls it, you know, because everybody's getting one over on each other and scum and villainy, dangerous man. place scum it's got actual slaves <laughs> yeah that's what i mean so it you get to see that world a lot more and he does a great job expanding it perfectly and yeah. you can see why he would be so excited about that because there's there's writing down it's a pretty shitty place and then there's actually making it look like a pretty shitty place you know yeah i agree <laughs> that's with awesome you. and it's great to see that that's it, to me in a lot of ways it looks like exactly the evolution that it and that somebody would have wanted for star wars is to because that's where the, the spin-off material comes in for me as a kid. That's why I had all those fucking games. Because I wanted to go back. Yeah, you know? absolutely. It wasn't I the story I give a shit about. It was like, I wanted the fucking... The pod racers and the fucking... I wanted to play a PlayStation game with Quagon. And I wanted the Halloween mask, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but that's it. I mean, like, for all its flaws, I think that... That's that's why I'm I'm a little I won't say I'm fifty fifty on it now. Yeah, I'm fifty fifty on it. But I you you I'm a little, a little bit higher. Further in. I'm a little yeah, bit higher absolutely. than fifty fifty. I think that the the I'd say seventy five twenty five. Mm-hmm, okay. Mm-hmm. However, the twenty five that's bad with it is oh, real pretty goddy. <laughs> like, you know, like I said, but the, yeah, the whole post colonial aspect that comes into it, where we're like. Eh, he, no, it's unacceptable now, <laughs> not in today's society. And I mean, like, we're, we're not... 20 years ago, it wasn't acceptable. It's not more no, acceptable. Of course. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, so that's bad. Uh, a few nitpicks that are kind of not with regards, that are like not as racially or stereotypically charged. Uh, mm-hmm, nitpicks mm-hmm. for me are, are um, some inconsistencies with how Lucas was planning on making these things Work. You know, right. Obi Wan says, and these these things have been talked about at ad nauseum. Yeah, you know, and I'm just no, going to point about, out this that, is the section of no new information. <laughs> exactly. You know, the fact that that, that Obi Wan says I don't recall owning a droid, and he <laughs> flat out is with R two D two in the same room a few times during the Phantom Menace. When, yeah, like, when they actually name him out loud, <laughs> like this that, robot is R two D two, and he's like, yeah. I don't recognize that fucker. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's like, okay, is Obi Wan really that? You don't see it. You don't see a shot where he's like, he's got his fingers in his ears. Like, la, 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 I'm not a part of this boring ceremony. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. There's that. But the fact that Anakin built C-3PO is another thing that I'm like, what the fuck? That is ridiculous. Yeah, it's, I was it's like, bizarre. <laughs> you know? It's just so unnecessary. Yeah. I understand that, like, if you look at the original trilogy, I don't think that they have a scene together at all, so that's okay. Mm-hmm. But just the fact that, you know, C-3PO and R2-D2 meet at some point, and Anakin's somewhere kind of around there, you would think at one point that, you know, the name Anakin Skywalker would come up and be like, oh, he's, well, you know, my like, creator. You know, I think <laughs> what, they solve that at the end of Revenge of the Sith when he says, take this protocol droid mine to be white, you know? Oh, it was, yeah. That was... And I'm, I'm, I'm like, okay, so that means R2-D2 is one of the dickiest friends around because he's not, he knows, he knows yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that Darth Maybe Vader he just knows, is, he knows the internal suffering in like, C-3PO I, where he gets all his nervous behavior is that he yeah. saw his, his inventor become an evil like lord of... Exactly, <laughs> and then, then it would be weird to like, you know, R2-D2 would have this weird, you know, conversation with, R, with uh, C-3PO and go like, you know, you have something in common with Luke. <laughs> 
I would love that. I would love there to be like this fucking yeah. like tragic painting called "The Guilt of C. Free Prio." Exactly. <laughs> and he's yeah, like, he's like, got, his, he's like an anguished face. Exactly. Like the, like the shadow of Darth Vader behind him. Yeah, that. <laughs> and then he reflects on Luke being his long lost brother, but biologically. Yeah. yeah you know? And you know, and you, then you could start having these weird theories where Luke's hand, you know, being metal, goes for the fact that C. Three Prio's leg was chrome instead of gold as well so they both Jesus lost Christ. a limb somewhat and then you're like oh my god there's so many parallels between this robot <laughs> <laughs> there's so many parallels between this droid and luke and you're like oh so that oh wink god. in the last jedi is like them acknowledging finally yeah, that like, their finally, father was darth vader <laughs> i mean i'm never gonna think of it any other way now <laughs> Every time I go to see that wing, it's like, they're finally understood. Lee. They're stepbrothers, Lee. And that to me like is the me. weirdest thing. You yeah, know, you're right. Yeah, that's such, they're such weird sh- I mean, and to be fair, there's stuff that I don't mind as much as I thought I did. Like, I don't mind. And I think this is definitely a, a Last Jedi thing. I don't mind the Metachlorians so much anymore. Oh, I had something on that. Yeah. Philosophies change all the time. Mm-hmm. Creeds change all the time. And I, I think I this always think goes the, to the show- way they played Qui-Gon up as this philosopher made him flawed like that on purpose. You know, it always seemed that way to me. Yeah. I mean, like psychoanalysis, a lot of what Freud and had, has been debunked. You know, a lot of mm-hmm. these theories go away. And I mean, midichlorians might be one of those things where like they thought it was Im- impactful or something like that. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. I mean, these are anomalies that happen all the time. You know, I, I'm not saying that someone will just just apparate in front of you and be like, "Oh shit, yeah. look at that!" The you know the Earth made someone, but I'm just saying that you know a lot of these things boil down to a system of belief that becomes archaic over time. Yeah, and, absolutely. I mean, the Jedi Order. Look at it. When we're talking about it earlier, they are somewhat old-fashioned in their way of thinking, and it would I be think normal for them to associate away those two from things. like pure evil. <laughs> You yeah. know, like you know, like the old church indulgences they used to sell, like it was a pass to heaven. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I think you're totally right. I think that the the Metachlorian thing. I think the, the the refocusing of the Force in Last Jedi to be a very spiritual. Yeah. I think the way that the story here is written, it seems like this is all the bad thinking of the Jedi that inevitably leads to its fail- falling yeah. is that they, they tried to they, they lost sight of the spiritual side of it and they doubled down on some sort of finite tangible thing they doubled down on the chips that you know Anakin is this Jedi who's the brings balance to the force at some point and they I mean the council don't want him or anything but he does balance the force Ultimately, because the Jedi are doing so much better than the fucking Sith, and they've also lost their way entirely. They're a total different organization to how they're supposed to be, and we get to see what they're supposed to be as a small sect of sort of heroes as it develops and and each time they try to make a hierarchical structure they mm-hmm. obviously lose touch and some balancing force kicks in and knocks them back down a peg yeah. you know they're supposed to be a small numbered society that just protect the force not everyone <laughs> like, no that's it and you're 100% right and that's one of the things that I kind of enjoy like if I'm going to revisit it you know when, when Obi-Wan says to him while he's burning you you were supposed to bring balance to the force not you mm-hmm, know mm-hmm. cloud it in darkness you know or cover it in darkness and you're like dude that massacre needed to happen <laughs> I'm really sorry to tell you that, Mr. Obi-Wan. And I'm not saying... <laughs> Good job, Jason. You signed it with a child-killing psychopath. <laughs> Way to phrase that. <laughs> you know, you know, those kids needed to die. <laughs> but at the same time, I mean, like, it just it's just... 
you could see where the fates intervened. You know, you could see. Is that a great, more delicate the way? The great of leveling it? force. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not I saying that's say, how I want things to be. <laughs> it's like, the, look, okay, I'll put it in the simplest of terms. He did balance it. That that it comes out, it comes down to the him just. Yeah, he did yeah, balance yeah. it. The checks and balances even out. You know? Exactly. It's, it's, you don't really look at the specifics. I mean, you shouldn't. But it's because, like, well, I mean, I, the Jedi consider themselves good, and you know, there's the dumbass saying that I can't believe I'll be using here, but they said that too much of a good thing sometimes can be bad, and so I don't know. Anakin was probably the one thing that needed to happen, and I'm not excusing the the, the, the whole fascism behind it or no, anything like that. No, I mean like it probably just, sets it sets up. I'm just digging a hole now. The, I don't know if anybody's noticing. Dick. <laughs> the force itself is a dick, and it's so uptight about its own balance that it actually just causes terrible things in its wake. You know, so isn't that like what the what planet really does as well? Sometimes, yeah. I, I can't keep digging this hole. <laughs> It's so hard to dead. get out of right now. It's just right there. That's not what I was trying to say. I mean, this is a fantasy film that tries yeah. to mimic certain aspects of history, not be like one note about it and be like, yeah, this yeah, is exactly one, what one this is. This so is please, what, let's what just, it was all about. <laughs> let's keep it separate, okay? I'm just saying that, you know, if we look at the logic of the story, he did balance the force. You really do have to take out the Darth Sidious and the dark side or a analogy, you know, a, a parallel to, to Nazism and their great sweeping of, of the Jedis was a was a reckoning on their hubris. Therefore, ergo... Looking, Nazism is the great leveler. Is not at all what, what, uh, what people want to be sorry. walking away I'm from this so episode. Sorry. I, 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 <laughs> sorry. Well, well, you can piece this together any which I, way. Well, you I think this. I think this is interesting to keep mostly in because <laughs> I want people to realize how when you actually start interpreting these films without changing modes of approach and not seeing them as flawed, you start to realize that they can sometimes say a bit of you know some fucked up shit. <laughs> Yeah, but that's it. I'm just saying that, that that way. It's just that he did bring balance to the force. That's all I wanted to point out. You're siding with the child-killing psychopath, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> I know, and I have a t-shirt with him on it. Yeah. Faders, He's the guy Faders who murdered a bunch of people mascot, on the tent you know. of four at the end of Rogue One. You can One. shake his hand at Disney Lab. It's awesome. <laughs> Oh my god. No, he was on the attentive. He was on the Yeah, there's a lot of fucked up shit to think about when it comes to Star Wars. You know, they do little little stormtrooper brigades around Disney World. Yeah. You know, that's that's a bit of a weird thing. <laughs> a bit of a mixed message. <laughs> like buy our products, don't join the don't don't join the Empire. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But buy our helmets. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. One of those Your things, next yeah. Halloween costume is here. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's uh, it. It's because these things aren't one-to-one. -one. That's the thing. I mean, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so, oh, boy, this was a hard one to dig myself <laughs> out of. This one. I should just keep a, going. It was a very <laughs> it was a surprisingly easy one to dig ourselves into. <laughs> so. No, that's the funny thing. But, I mean, this, this is, I'm thinking about, like, future James Gunn-type situations where, like, Jason was promoting Nazism in one of his things. <laughs> and I was like, I wasn't doing that. I was no, taking what Anakin did, you know, it's because, not, you know, you know how they do. They take one quote, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Darth Vader was right. <laughs> uh, that one. <laughs> yeah, that one. Well, at least we're both going down. <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, just to close out, you know, like I, I own the People versus George Lucas. I've seen mm -hmm. the led, red letter media uh, stuff and all that stuff. 
And mm-hmm. ha- after watching The Phantom Menace myself, I think that the gripes that people have aren't 100% okay. I think a yeah. lot of it is there uh, out of what they think should have been the story as opposed mm-hmm. to what they got. And I think... And, I, we're, I, and we're seeing that with the, the backlash to The Last Jedi continue to spiral out of control. It just fuels this whole fire that doesn't want particularly anything coordinated it just wants to be a fire you know yeah that's the funny thing to me is because like if you look at the people that are really the hardcore proponents of the original trilogy they'll always have the original trilogy well they'll have the special editions which you know to me they're like no those are the real editions they're not it's written special edition on the fucking thing (laughs) but to me they complained about the prequels and now they're getting new star wars and now they're complaining about shut the fuck up and go watch the other ones Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. oh you still have those ones. Who mm-hmm. are you? Why are you doing this to yourself? Why do you consistently want to be angry? Is that is, you've completely failed to understand exactly what all this Jedi shit was supposed to be? Mm-hmm. What all of Yoda's mm-hmm. teaching? All of you are failing miserably mm-hmm. at what these messages are. Miserably, like I just want to be entertained. I want to, dude. Just go away. Fucking anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Exactly. That's and a prequel it, quote. <laughs> it's so weird because some people will actually use that sometimes. They'll use the quotes from the prequels to defend the original trilogy. And you're like, how are you How are you not seeing the irony in what you're doing? No. <laughs> and that's, I, I haven't really publicly talked about all of what's been going on there because I, I've, mm-hmm. I've, I've received my share of, of negativity. Even after the, 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 the thread that I did on Luke Skywalker, a lot of people came pointing out, like, I can piece together bullshit and all that. And I was like, listen, <sighs> I kind of pieced that together in about 20 minutes. I could have probably done a better job, sure. But, I mean, at the sure. same time, I was like, it's actually a pretty good thread. I'm, yeah, I'm fine. Got a little off my chest. <laughs> I was like, hey, look at this. It's kind of neat. I, I, this is something I can point out. The same way mm-hmm. as I, I was going to point out to you, the fact that The Last Jedi itself could be uh, a metaphor for how or George Lucas, mm-hmm. you know. Yes, his career. His career, you know, the, the whole aspect of, like, Luke Skywalker being completely, you know, disheveled and, and destroyed emotionally, given the fact that he tried to do something good and then he it was destroyed. Yeah, he tried. He tried to build a church in in the vein of the original, and it it spiraled out of control. Uh, he lost his temper. He lost his passion, and then he offered it up to the next pair of hands to say, do, "Yeah, do your I mean, best." Look, look at look at look at the mapping of this. George Lucas. Everyone knows that Luke Skywalker, Lucas, Luke is that. He's that's him. He's trying to project mm-hmm. himself. He says he's injected a little bit of himself. Every creator injects a little bit of themselves into the story, and this is mm-hmm. him trying to become a little bit of a hero. And he did succeed with the original trilogy. He's a legend. He's like yeah. Luke. And in the Last Jedi, that's what he is. He's a legend. And then what he does, he goes and builds a school. That school would be the prequel trilogy, where he thought he was doing something good. And he really, really wanted to make sure that that the Jedi would continue and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. And then out of the blue, people start yelling at him after he he thought like he was like, okay, I made a mistake. Maybe I could have like retconned a couple of things here and all that. But the hatred just destroyed everything that he built Mm -hmm, and then created mm -hmm. Kylo Ren, which could be a representation of all this backlash stupidity that these people think where they they own part of it and they're going to do better you know obviously Mm -hmm. kylo ren's doing it out of self-defense in a way 
that's the way that Ryan Johnson shapes that story. But I mean, from a certain point of view, Luke was trying to do something that he thought was good. And look, at, yeah, the, end of of the, at the end of the film, you could even say that Ryan Johnson really wanted to make it so that this was a representation of what George Lucas had gone through, where he mm-hmm. basically comes back. You know, he's he's exiled himself on Oct 2, and that would be like Skywalker Ranch, where Lucas is always kind of just doing his thing. Yeah, yeah, you know, hurtled like, away. <laughs> kind of wants to burn the fucking tree down. Like when he's giving interviews, I don't want to talk about Star Wars, leave me alone. And then you had this new generation that's coming in and trying to do something with it. And Ray, you know, everyone has these good intentions and trying to build something from there. And then like the final battle on Crate is is Brian Johnson saying, look, Luke or George is not coming back physically, but we'll always mm-hmm. have him in spirit, which is that force projection in a way, which is kind of interesting. It's neat. And then he passes away at the end of The Last Jedi. He dies, but at the same time, he knows that he won't be The Last Jedi. Ryan Johnson's saying, look, listen, Star Wars is going to continue. We're going to have mm-hmm, this. Mm-hmm. It's, it's in good hands, no matter what you guys think. And then you'll have guys like, this is what the backlash is, the fucking First Order. First Order logic. Read up on it. And you guys, will, there's a mirror pointing right at your faces. <laughs> Read up on Force Order logic. And then you'll have Kylo Ren, like, I'm going to destroy you and her and everything. And that's exactly mm-hmm. what it is. I don't understand what the point is in trying to destroy everything. This one thing that you used to love, that you used to kind of have, and it's staring you right in the face and you're like, you, you, gave me a, you gave me something. You taught me and you made one mistake. You made one thing and you, you, you can't live that down? What the fuck? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's just yeah. weird. I, I love how that could be an, a, a biography of what George Lucas had gone through. The whole mm-hmm. Last Jedi arc. And that's why I like revisiting the prequels right now. Because it's kind of like seeing that... that You're seeing that flawed that church plane section. Crash. Exactly. That yeah. plane crash coming down. And at the same time, I'm like, but there's a phoenix at the end of that. That mm-hmm. is Luke. Mm-hmm. Where you're like, this is the new hope. You know, and it's kind of great. So, yeah. I, I don't I don't I don't really harbor any negative feelings towards the, 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 the Phantom Menace right now. I can't speak for the rest of it. You know? Yeah. I, do feel like it's a bit jarring that like the lightsabers, you know, where you're like, what happened? (laughs) Okay. Well, Obi-Wan got old and so did Vader. And that's why they're kind of poking at each other with their, you know, their canes, I guess. They're not lightsabers really in a new hope, but you know, that battle sequence between Darth Maul and and Qui-Gon and, and, Obi-Wan is fucking fantastic. It is. It's beautiful. It, it really is. Very simple. It doesn't waste a lot of time. It's it's about like three minutes in length. Just cut around the film. Mm. And it's great. It's just excellent. There's a, there's there's stakes. It looks cool. And, and it, it has a very, very simple set piece of a revolving door. And it yep. uses that. That's a reference to a, oh, I don't remember, Bruce Lee film. Yeah. I don't remember what year it is. Yeah, I don't remember is. what the movie is. He's trapped in some sort of basement. He's behind the door. Qui-Gon on his knees, the same as Bruce Lee. So there, there's a reference there. I don't remember exactly what it is, but it's, I have mm-hmm, it in my head. Mm-hmm. But yeah. That's it, basically. <laughs> you know, people just love to talk about Darth Maul, but I just was going to get like, a thumbs up. That last scene was really cool. And that's that's really it with regards to Phantom Menace. <laughs> Yeah, I think so too. I'm trying to think of I, I don't I don't I don't I've I've let go of my hate, to be honest. I think that that's mm. how I could probably go with it. I had a great time watching The Phantom Menace again. And I'm looking forward to maybe sitting down and watching it. I was gonna watch it a second time uh last night, uh to <laughs> Of course. Uh to kind of <laughs> just get a to brush you know, up. <laughs> yeah, brush up again, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. twice in one day is not a bad thing, I don't think anyway. But um yeah, I'm looking forward for my daughters to get back so we could probably go through an entire marathon and watch, you know, all, like when Solo comes out, you know, watch all Star, all, all what, 10, <laughs> 10, yeah, 10 Jesus. episodes now, 10 <laughs> films, which is great. Never thought you were getting those. <laughs> no. 
And it's great. I like it. Don't get don't get me wrong. It's really not a perfect film, and I'm pretty sure that no. the, the, the 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 issues that you have with it are fine. You know, mm-hmm. uh, you might not like it. That's fine. Just go away. You don't have yeah. to watch it. I've, have I, to agree. I bought into the the red letter media review super well. I mean, it's fucking hilarious. There's, it's it's hard to argue against that comedy. But when you actually watch it again, it's like ah, well, no. In context, some of those were were just fine. They're that, like that's niggles. The funny thing, yeah, they're not like real. They're even not real, the, like. the people versus George Lucas. That that's another thing to me where I'm like, uh, I think this is what I wanted to bring up is that you know all the all these videos about like um, what everything wrong with or you know red letter mm-hmm. media and all that. You know that these guys are like are, are professional s- satirists. You know, yes, yeah. they know film and they're really good at it. They can nitpick as fuck. They're fantastic. Yeah, and they, I, they I come love to the bone, them. no doubt about it. And some of the time, I think that some some when it comes to Star Wars. I remember you were talking about it and you were saying that you, you mentioned it. It was kind of the bit. That's what they do. They're negative mm-hmm. on Star Wars and they're not going to go against that because oh, they yes. know that like it Red gets Letter them. Media, when their new reviews come out, I was telling you, don't worry about it. It's their job. That's, that's <laughs> what people tune in for. Yeah, exactly. You know what I, mean? I don't go to listen. I don't listen to Red Letter Media talk Star Wars because I think they're going to love it. <laughs> I just want to know what the fuck they're going to get from it this time. <laughs> That's the funny thing is, is because when they reviewed Solo, it, it kind of bit them in the ass because I, I think... They kind of like it. <laughs> they did kind of like it. And that's the funny thing yeah. is I, I don't know if it's Rich... Or, or if it was Jay, I know that Mike was 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 keen on it, and he said it himself. He says we can't be hypocrites about this. We've been telling mm-hmm. people that we needed a change, we needed a small story, we needed to see something different, and they gave us something different. Could mm-hmm. it have been better? Yes. However, we got what we wanted, so we can't be hypocrites about it. And I thought that was a very good observation on his part by saying, "Listen, I can't complain. Mm-hmm. It's fine. Mm-hmm. You know, is it good? Yeah. Is it something that I don't I don't need it." You know, a lot of people would say that they didn't need it or anything like that. But, you know, you, you can't. They've been just sh- they shitting on something for need, shitting on something. They didn't something. need Rogue One. I just said, you just, of course you don't fucking need it. You don't need Star Wars, you fucking crazy people. <laughs> <laughs> so that's it. Uh, my little rant and all that. Phantom Menace still has problems, but uh, I've come around to it, to be honest. I'm really looking forward to watching the rest of uh, of uh, the prequels. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't harbor any hard feelings about it. The negativity that I have... Is, is yeah. justified. I think we were clear that we that we we said no. It's those parts are bad. Yeah, you can look around them bad. as long as you make sure you acknowledge every time you see them that that's nah, fucked up. Those are big changes that needed that would need to happen if they were to release yeah, exactly. special editions. I know that they did. They added scenes in it. But if you want to release, if you guys out there, anybody who's yeah, editing these face. things, yeah, change uh-huh. the languages. Try to do that. Yeah. Just take out Jar Jar, whatever the fuck he says, and put it with subtitles in a different language. If, It'll change the entire experience. Come, it's it's the same way I, I talk about a lot of these films. There's an asterisk when I'm when I'm talking about a film that has negative qualities. You you've got to watch a film, but you got to keep that asterisk. And and anytime you show somebody that film, you say, okay, lots of good things here, couple of bad things. Just got to make sure we're all clear that these things aren't cool. If you're showing it to kids, yeah. for example, just keep the asterisks in. But that's it. Otherwise, Phantom Menace, it's a fun kids film. It's fine. Yeah, absolutely. It's I good, agree. solid B plus Star Wars. All good. It's I'd easily say. Easily just. It's as good to me as, as Return of the Jedi. That funny that Bold. you should mention. That's exactly what I had in my mind earlier. <laughs> now you brought it up. <laughs> Sorry about that. It's it's as messy as Return of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. That opening yeah. like sequence where Luke goes Pure to save Lucas. Han and all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. You know, where he goes to save Han. 
and all that, then you could probably attribute the entire first act of The Phantom Menace as someone like a side story where they need to kind of get to that place in order to mm-hmm. go someplace else to get back to that place. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> where you're no, like, you're totally oh, right. Okay. And I didn't like I didn't like that in Return of the Jedi, and I don't like it here. <laughs> no, 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 no. And I, I get it. The thing is, is that you know, it's like it's like poetry. They rhyme. <laughs> So, uh, shall we close this out, sir? Let's do it. All right. We hope that you guys enjoyed our talk on the the Phantom Menace. I had fun. This was great. Although I was oh, yeah, stuttering is... the entire time, and I kind of <laughs> said that Nazis were okay. <laughs> that little that little chestnut. <laughs> and that's I... terrible. So that's it. I mean, um, I don't really have anything else to say. You guys can follow the show on Twitter at Atlantic SC. You can follow it also on Instagram at Atlantic SC Podcast. Send us, I don't know, an email. No one does. So AtlanticSCPodcast at gmail.com. If you guys want to just send us an email to say hi. And I dare you, just send a message that says hi. And then we'll be like, okay, yeah, yeah. that's really nice. Thank that, you so much. Great. Yeah, we, we respond to that easily. We oh, yeah. Emails. Great. Hey, anything you want to plug, Lee? Uh, no, the, the Twitter, I was, I was only going to plug that. So we're good. Okay, cool. So thank you very much. Go watch The Phantom Menace. And with that asterisk. With that asterisk. And just- don't, don't be a Nazi. <laughs> Don't be a Nazi. (laughs) And uh, be cool to each other out there. Mm. Be cool. Love each other. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye. Yeah. This conversation can serve no purpose anymore. Goodbye.